In my last episodes, you've had the taste of various professions. Video game producer, broadcast meteorologist, entertainment lawyer, clinical scientist, and many more. Today, I'm happy to introduce you to a woman who has made the Alps her playground and business ground. She is an entrepreneur, guide, and expedition leader, and founded Swiss Ski Safari about 15 years ago. Danielle, what gave you the idea to organize bespoke alpine adventures? What gave me the idea is my parkour, really from where I started, and I saw a niche in the market. And it was really that. That's what inspired me. I saw that no one was doing it. I, was, I came to Switzerland. I wanted to be in these mountains. And everyone said, oh, it's too hard, it's too hard. And then when I started doing it, I thought, oh, it's not that hard, actually. If you organize it well, a normal person can do it. And so that's really what inspired me to, to form my company and make it a little bit more accessible to people to do it. Well, and not so extreme because I think everything you see in the mountains is fairly extreme and my clients are not extreme and I'm not extreme. And actually, what is your job? Okay. <laughs> Maybe we should have started with that. <laughs> <laughs> so I organize um, trips in the Alps, hiking, biking and skiing and snowboarding and ski touring, basically whatever someone wants to do. But they're complete trips, so I organise the, the accommodation, I organise the run, you know, the descents we're going to do, the areas that we'll explore, the hotels that we'll stay in, and I try to take them on a journey from country to country. And then it's all about an experience. So when I find out what they're looking for, what their group is looking for, what level they have, then I can put together the perfect program so that they can achieve their objectives. That's great. So do you actually need to study to give tours and organize a business around this? Well, yes, it's come from business studies to start with. So my base education was in hospitality. So I did a degree in hotel management. So I think you need basic business sense. And then I studied in all different elements of the Alpine area. So I'm a snowboard instructor, i did the ski patrollers course and I've studied snow and avalanches and safety. Um, I've spent a lot of time with helicopter pilots learning about their profession, how, how helicopters work, how transport in the Alps work. Everything that I could learn about the Alps, I needed to learn before I could do what I did. And then I needed to go out and do all the run, do everything, see everything, try everything out, see what worked, see what didn't work, see how difficult things were really see how I could make them easier um, and get my experience and then get my experience of just how then how do you pull all that together logistically what's the timing how does it work smoothly what do you need when you know that yeah that's a lot of time and research to get things perfect when you started you obviously didn't have a client base I can imagine. How did you find your first clients? Good question. I wasn't quite sure how to do that either. I mean, I did have a client base because I had worked in travel before. So I had people who knew me as a guide, in not in my area of specialty. And so I leaned on them first. So it was word of mouth. And then it was really press, a lot of press. So I started off by doing press because I didn't have clients, but I had time for journalism, press trips. So I started off doing press and then it's a great website and then it's great communication skills and then it's following up people and reaching out to different people and bit by bit you manage to develop a reputation 
and you manage to develop a clientele base and they speak to other people who speak to other people and it's just organically grows if you do a good job. Right, <laughs> which you obviously did. <laughs> so it's interesting what you were saying about press. Um, did you actually invite uh, people from the press to have the tours with you? I did. Um, things have changed, I think. Um, it doesn't work that way as it did when I started. I started 15 years ago. And at that time, the more reputable magazines and newspapers, they wanted to pay to come on board. I think that's so that they could say that they were objective in their reporting style, which is a good thing. Of course, they didn't pay full price, um, but they would pay to join a press trip. So there was a bit of a mix between those people who paid and those people who expected to be paid for. And it And you could never run a I could never run a normal trip and charge a normal price for the press. That that wasn't the way it worked. And I still don't think that's the way it works now. And then after that, I found that once I made my contacts with the press, and then they started calling me for stories. And because they knew who I were and who I was and how I worked, they didn't need to come on the experiences so much. We could do a day here or a day there and they would understand what the concept was. Did you ever have to do any marketing or publicity and after you have been started to be known um, within the press and uh, and the media yeah marketing and publicity I think is the hardest part of the job actually the running the trips I find not difficult and the planning the trips is my speciality so that for me is the easiest part of the job the hardest part of the job is marketing is social media is keeping up with the new technology the new trends, um, how, keeping up with how do you reach out to, to your clientele, do you go to trade shows, you've got to work out what your marketing strategy is. And, yeah, that's that's the hardest part of the job, especially because we're not really, I don't think we're trained for that so much and it's the part of the industry that is so quick, changing all the time and evolving all the time that you really have to be on top of, you have to be on top of that to know what to do next. Now I'm thinking you got your client and um, you've been contacted and uh, now you need to plan the trip. Uh, how do you go about it? That's the fun part I and mean, that's the easy part too. I ask them a lot of questions. I'm really lucky because I have a really great base of knowledge of my whole region that I work in and I've stayed small for that. I've stayed small so that I know everything about everything. And so when someone describes to me what their dream trip is, I can visualize it and I can pick places out and say, oh, I think you'd really like this. And and I often say to people after having conversations with them, let me think about it for 48 hours and then let me come back to you. The more information they give me, The more conversations we have, the more honest they are about how they feel, what they're scared of, what they like, what they don't like, the better I am to put together the perfect trip. And then and then it's just a matter of, it's a matter, you have to have confidence that, that all the work you've done in the past will lead you to the right solution for them. And you really have to listen to what it is they want because sometimes they'll give you little clues. They won't say it. But something they've said will make you think of something or or a reaction they've had to something will make you go, ooh, well, they don't like that. Oh, I can't do that. Or you'll pick up little hints in their conversation because they won't always give you all the information. That's the fun part. That's the part that I enjoy the most. But I have a, 
a 95% conversion rate. Wow. Yeah. So when people contact me, I'm not in the business of convincing people. I'm in the business of attracting people. Once they see what I do and who I am and my public persona, it, they decide to contact me. And if they're deciding to contact me, it's because they know that it's, I do something that they want. So that makes it much easier to work that way. I've never been in the convincing. In fact, when I started the business, I said no more than yes. I would say to people, I don't think this is a trip for you. I don't think this is the right fit. This is not really what I do. I don't do a chalet holiday. I don't do babysitting. This is really an experience. If you want to push yourself to the next level and have an experience that you can't do on your own, we can do that for you. And I have to, you have to stick to that. You have to be really loyal to your, your vision. And when you're loyal to your vision, then it happens. Excellent. The name of your company is Swiss Key Safari. Can you tell me the idea behind it and has it then evolved <laughs> beyond that? During my snowboarding qualifications, so I'm a snowboard instructor, we had to do a week of an avalanche course. And this avalanche course that we did was we would ski or snowboard from place to place and we would do pro, you know snow profiles and um, dig in the snow and analyse the crystals and things like that and then have avalanche exercises. But the, the pure concept of moving from place to place that we did in this course, I just fell in love with this. We saw so much territory. It, I felt like I was in the wilderness during the day and then we came down to a hotel at night time and I thought, oh, this is amazing. And the course was really hard. So, so I thought physically really demanding. So I thought, oh, no, I can't expose people to the too physically demanding side of it. So I have to work out how to get the safari concept moving from place to place and yet in logement or in accommodation that is really sumptuous and luxurious and comfortable and authentic and so that's where the ski safari concept came from, the moving from place to place. And it happened while I was on the course. I remember coming back on the train and I said to the, the um, professor who, who was our instructor, I said, you've just given me an idea for something. This is going to be my new business. And that's how it started. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you started about 15 years ago. How long did it take the business to take off? I think that's probably the question that all the entrepreneurs ask. It's, um, and it's true when everyone says you need to give yourself five years. I think that's true because in the first five years, you've got great years and bad years and great years and bad years. And then it stabilizes and you seem to have a core clientele. So it took, it took five years for it to become consistent and then it took me another couple of years to get my key clientele which was a I really wanted an American clientele and they are a very hard group to to hone into and you have to be very focused to get that group and so I just kept going I just kept marketing to them and talking to them and trying to get articles in the American press and I would ignore all other press to get to my to the point that I wanted so I stopped doing any other press local press I stopped doing English press, and I just went right for, right for the press that I wanted, for the, for the niche clientele that I wanted. Why did you want to have American clientele? <laughs> I, I have worked with Americans for 25 years, so I know how they travel, I know what they like, and I designed my product around how they travel. They're very curious, they're very adventurous, they will try anything, 
and they understand the value of someone organizing your complete trip. And I wanted to do that. I wanted to do complete packages because to pull off the magic that I like to pull off, you have to control all the logistics. You know, you need to know all the distances of where you're traveling from and to and plan A, B, C, E and D. And that doesn't really work very well if you're just doing it piece by piece. You have to do the whole thing and plan for every eventuality. So I know how these people travel. I know what they like. I know what they value. They have the means and they often don't have a lot of time and they want a, they want to have a stress-free perfect vacation and they also want to see things that they wouldn't be able to see on their own so I knew that was my niche clientele have you ever had any bad experience in your job I have but I have to say very rarely I mean in 15 years I've probably had two problems two problems and it was problems of communication so so no I think um I think the fact that I know how to say no is is very helpful when you when you have someone who wants to come on a trip and you just know that what you do is not what they want you have to have the courage to say this is just not a good fit because you won't help them and they will be unhappy so no I'm really I'm really lucky that way yeah I have great clients you were mentioning a um, number of people that work with you so who are the other expertise that you need to uh, count Uh, into the in the mix in order to make your trip and your safaris successful? I have been very lucky. I met um, my key people very early on. So I met a helicopter pilot who took me under his wing and taught me everything about helicopters and transport and aviation and law and so much. I, I could never be grateful enough, I think. And also he just gave me confidence and he helped me when I was going through when it was really hard And then I had a friend who works who specializes in snow and he also helped me and has taught me a lot. And And these people have always been available to me so I can pick up the phone and ask them their opinion on whether I should plan this or that or what the weather's going to be or do they think this is too ambitious. And they're very honest with me so they'll say, no, you're crazy, don't do that. Or, yeah, why not, let's try. We'll work together, it'll be difficult, but we'll try and do that because all of my itineraries are quite, generally can be quite, ambitious like I really try to pull off people's dreams so it involves a lot of different people and then I work with qualified mountain guides and I think that's really important because we can't get to the places that we need to go to unless we have that type of expertise and so I think we're a good team because they get to focus on the security aspect of the trip and I get to focus on the comfort level of the trip and and also is because I'm on the trips as well I can see what's going on with, amongst the group because the guide is often at the front and he doesn't always see what's going on. So I'm at the end and I'm always noticing who's maybe a little bit tired and maybe we should not do what we'd planned to do or perhaps we could change it a little bit. So it's good. To, I think it's it's a great relationship that we have between the guides and myself where I will help them manage the group and they can really focus on their expertise and making sure that we're doing the right thing at the right time in the right place. It's a, it's, so it is. It's a, it's a team of uh, many different people who pull these trips off. Going back to the initial years, you said that it took five years and you, you know, had to build up uh, your clientele. 
Were you able to live off your business <laughs> or did you have to have side jobs that would allow you to keep moving? No, I lived off my business, but I have to say I I live very simply. <laughs> so, and especially to start with when I was when I was founding the company, I was living off my savings and not going out and I mean it takes a lot of time to start up a company, so you don't have any time anyway. <laughs> So that was great. You're doing a lot of research. Um, I didn't even have a car when I started my business. <laughs> so I was in the bus driving to play. It was crazy to not be able to drive and to take the bus to get to places. Eventually I got a car. Uh, yeah, no, I started off very simply, but I think it's really good to start simply because you learn what's necessary and what's not necessary and you can go without. You can really live very simply if if it's your passion and you know that's what you want then it's and after all at the end of the day it's just things as long as you have a roof over your head and enough to eat and eventually a car <laughs> to move around in um you know that's what you need i think and a computer you need a computer i needed a computer <laughs> absolutely so because i'm pretty sure that someone listening um to you is inspired and say, oh, I want to do that too. I want to become my own, you know, an entrepreneur, have my own business and start uh, trips and tours. What do you think are the skills that you need to do? Or even better, like what skills do you think you had that were really helpful to make you progress and make you successful? And what are actually other traits of characters that would not match with this job? My family tells me that I'm very disciplined. I don't see that, but perhaps I am. I mean, like you have to you have to be self-motivated. No one's going to get you out of bed to work. So that's important. But I think that comes when you're passionate about something. And I was absolutely convinced and passionate about what I wanted to do. So when you when you and also you're going to spend a lot of time doing it. So you better love it. Because not only do I do it when I'm at work, but I do it when I'm not at work. So I, my whole life is this. There's no separation. So I think, one, decide what you want to do and make sure you love it. Like make sure that it's really what you want to do because it's hard. It's really, it's, especially here in Switzerland, being a woman in the environment that I was in, in a male-dominant environment, um, it was not always easy at all. And I was alone too. So I, I found that you have to be really prepared to sacrifice to have that work you can't have an easy lifestyle and a nine-to-five job and no stress and then expect to have all the benefits of having your own company and making your own decisions I don't I think you develop your skills along the way I think what's important to have is clarity you need to know what your product is and you need to know who your clientele is I think that's key And then when you know who they are, then you can go out and get them. If you just cast your net into the ocean and hope you're going to catch everything, well, then you will catch everything. And what do you do with that? You have to be specific, really specific, know what you want, know who your audience is and know how to speak to them. And I knew that from the beginning and I never deviated from my course. I was tempted. I was really tempted. When things weren't going well to start with, when it was really hard to start, I got a lot of requests to do things that I didn't want to do. And that's where the no comes in. I was like, no, I don't do that. No, this is not what I do. No, I'm not a chalet rental company. No, no. And then 
you spend enough time saying no. And, of course, you get stressed because you're not earning any money. But eventually then you start attracting the people that you want. And maybe you have to also adjust your message because at the start when you're attracting people that you don't want, then you have to question what message you're sending out there. Oh, perhaps my marketing's not good. Perhaps my materials are not saying what I need them to say. And that's a whole learning process. But you do that with trial and error. So that just that comes over time. That's just perseverance and patience and dedication. And on the other end of the spectrum, who do you think would not be fit and suited for a job like this? <laughs> oh, that's a hard question. I don't know. I can't answer that because I think I maybe naively think that anything is possible. And I think people are capable of incredible things that they don't even know they're capable of. And so I think you've just got to try. I, you know, I don't think that anyone should feel limited. I think they've got to go for it. You've just got to have clarity. Just, they just need, people just need to know what they want. That's all. And then give it a go. So I don't think there's anyone who's not suited for anything I think we can all do it. Yeah, you just have to decide what you want. Uh, let's say that someone is listening and they want to start a business like yours, uh, not necessarily in Switzerland, but I mean, even like Colorado or I don't know. Um, do you have any advice on how to start and where to start? The key is to be unique. You have to find, and this is the way I started as well, I looked around to see if anything was, anyone was doing what I was doing, what I wanted to do, and there wasn't. So that was the sign to me that it needed to be done. And then I looked around and saw what people were doing and I said, well, I'm going to stay right away from that. So I think, and this is maybe a cultural thing because in Australia this is very much the way we function. If someone's doing that business already down the street, then you're not going to do the same thing. Why do the same thing? You want to do something that is unique, that's different, that fills a niche in the market. And so you really need to look around and see what's happening and get a feel for what is the new trend or what is the new tendency in the marketplace. And if it hasn't been filled, off you go. If I think, for instance, you know, Switzerland, there's mountains and there must be lots of tours. And uh, why? how would I think that my tours, my safaris would be very different from others? Uh, would, would I be demotivated thinking maybe that this is a business that everybody does or what how do you think I could find my own way in uh, in a country where skiing for instance is a major business and everybody does that and uh, uh, mountaineering and um, biking and so forth what how did you find that your niche was unique and you were the only one doing it I just simply looked at what was out there and I could see that no one was doing it the way I wanted to do it. No one was combining the gaining the access to the areas that I wanted to go to, the level of luxury that I wanted to have on the trips and the moving from place to place that I wanted to do. No one was doing that at that time. I mean, there's people doing it now, but they're not doing it the same way. Um, yeah, no, I, no one was. I made sure I didn't want to do something that someone else was doing And there was a lot of companies who were doing things like that but at a very low level, sort of at a, at a backpacking level, uh, and that's just not my – I've only ever worked in the high-end market and that's the only market that I know. So that's the other thing. You need to stick to what you know. 
I had no experience in the more moderate travel market. I, I don't mm. know it at all. I only know my end of the market. So I stuck to what I know um, and it hadn't been, it, it wasn't being done. But I don't know. I, I think it's the, the travel industry or my industry is changing at such a pace. You just have to get out there and you have to see what people are doing and you have to try and be really unique and really different. That's the key. That really is the key. You were talking about some difficult times. I don't know if you feel like talking about it, but what, what was difficult in, in those periods? Mm. <laughs> um, it was, uh, sometimes I think it's just difficult to, I remember walking into places if I was with my male co-workers and the people will, would look to them, and this happened to me in a five-star hotel, People would look to the male co-worker straight away rather than me, not assuming that I was the boss. So that was a very interesting experience. And I realized that I was going to come, I was going to affront that, that I was going to have to deal with that from day one. And so I hesitated on taking a male partner for that reason. I thought, I need to do this on my own. I need to establish myself as a woman in this role. Yeah, that just takes time and People get used to it. First, I don't know if they do it on purpose. I, I think it's just maybe a cultural thing that they're used to dealing with men. But now that's not a problem. Now I walk into places and people know who I am and they know that I'm what what I do and I don't have I don't have that problem anymore. But that wasn't the case when I started. So it took years and, and getting a reputation and probably, yeah, getting a reputation and also doing a good job. I think I got a reputation more than being a woman. I have my co-collaborators or the companies that I work with who say, we know the type of job you do because no one else works like you do. And we've seen that. And, and so then it just speaks for itself and you don't have to worry about gender so much anymore. You've made your, a name for yourself and uh, I can see that through determination, perseverance and uh, doing, doing what you love, which is, which is mm. fantastic. And that's what I wish to everybody, actually, because once you have found that balance in life, then your, your job is no longer a job. Don't listen to anybody who tell you, tells you that you can't do it. Just do it. Just go for it. So, yes, just do it. If you have an inspiring story on how you changed your professional life and how that ricocheted to all other aspects of your life, please write me. If you're still in the middle of your professional path and feel stuck, please write me too. In my podcast, I look for all kinds of stories to share with all of you. So feel free, take the courage and reach out.